Welcome to the Global Workplace, Diversity, Equality, Opportunity. Your host is Alma Besserton, the founder and director of Wimmigrants of Australia. In our program, we will showcase the global organizations who are making a difference worldwide for skilled migrants, as well as focus on some challenges the migrants face with diversity and inclusion. Now, here is your host, Alma Besserton. Hello, Voice America listeners, and welcome to another exciting week. Um, every week I try to have some exciting topics that are really relevant on what's happening on the market and uh, globally. And uh, this week I'm really excited to have another great topic, which is about the rise of contingency workforce and what that means for you as employee as well as what organizations can do to actually improve the employment structure and their policies and the, and the mindset in, in general. And I'm excited to have Jacinta Whelan this morning. Good morning, Jacinta. It's morning in Australia. Good morning, Albert. It is morning. It's a lovely morning too. Yes, it's a bit windy today, but uh, hey, this is Melbourne. One day is 30 degrees, another day is 10 and it's windy, so that's fine. It's, it's, at least it's not that cold today. Jacinta, you and I know each other for a while now, and uh, you've been very passionate about the contingency workforce. And um, let me just uh, explain a little about, about the Jacinta. Jacinta is a thought leader and a popular speaker on the concept of intern management, portfolio careers, and future ways of work, working. Jacinta has more than 20 years' experience starting and leading intern business in Hong Kong, New York, and Australia. Jacinta leads the Melbourne business of Watermark Intern Management, which focuses on intern appointments in both public and private sectors with a particular emphasis on CEOs and COOs, senior executives in IT&T, human resources specialists, project and program management experts, and business turnaround and change consultants. The intern opportunities Watermark offer range from providing professional guardianship, managing a business or department through a turbulent period, or bringing in specialist skills for a particular project. Jacinta works with career intern executives as well as those considering it as an option amongst other in their career plan as well as executives in between permanent roles. So you've been doing this for a while, Jacinta, are you? Yes, uh, Amara, I love it. And I, I started about 20 years ago when I, I set up some interim businesses in, in Hong Kong uh, back in 97, wow. uh, well before that was sort of the trend. And then they asked me to go mm. and set up a, a similar interim business in New York. Um, and then since then have sort of been in, in set up an education phase for this growing marketplace in five different businesses. So I'm now home mm. in Australia doing that and, and I've Fantastic. seen this trend come down come down the line where organisations were getting leaner and leaner and mm. they were sort of saying for us to function um, as efficiently as we can, we're going to have to have less people on our permanent books or we're going to have to sort of in terms of own people, we're going to have less and we're going to have to have um, more and more people that we bring in as contingent employees. So if you think of it mm. almost as a buy or a borrow, um, where do we buy mm. or borrow talent? There's a shift from buying it to borrowing it. Um, and as I said, I've seen this trend over 20 years um, and it just continues uh, to grow and grow and there's, there's a feeling almost that the dam wall has burst, Alma, mm. on this way of yes. working. Mm. 
I, I certainly observe that, um, as you know, like around 2006 when I left my executive role and I've started consulting in the area of change management and business transformation and so on, I've certainly seen that because uh, even in a change space which you basically cover, it's almost like um, uh, I've called myself data uh, um, you know, uh, um, recovery manager because often organizations will come to the point that they actually try to do things internally. They realize they don't have skills and they will bring external people like myself actually to, to help them push or accelerate the change. And I've seen the trend, uh, you know, certainly in Australia in the last five, six years. I've, I've came a result um, from uh, Deloitte's, um, Jacinta, you, you're probably uh, aware of this one. In 2015, they, they did a global uh, human capital trends report, which indicates that 8 out of 10 uh, respondents believe demand for skills is driving a trend towards greater use of contingency workers. And countries such as USA are leading the way. And... Um, a recent report from USA Government Accountability Office estimates that just over 40% of countries' workforce is made up of contingency workers, and it's actually expected to grow by 50% by 2020. Now, you're talking about in Australia, um, the, it, it's believed that uh, contingency workers in Australia are somewhere around 30% of the market. And... Um, as contingent workforce increases across Australia, we've seen the employment market is changing and the work, as you're saying, is changing as a business seek so rigorously managed costs to improve agility. And everyone is trying to deliver fast and more with less. And uh, it's called gig economy. So you've got a lot of experience in this area, Jacinta. So how can we actually catch up with the rest of these countries that we, we've just talked about? Yeah, Alma, the, the way I see it playing out is that when the global financial uh, crisis hit sort of 10 or 12 years ago, um, the uh, America, the UK, Europe, the sort of OECD countries really had to rethink um, that the very construct of employer and employee. So how do we engage together? Because um, the system's a bit broken. Um, in any mm. sort of crisis, you change the model. So mm. the, the countries such as America sort of went full steam ahead and are now a little bit further down the track. Here in Australia, um, we had the mining boom, which, mm. um, which meant that the global financial crisis, or the GFC as we call it, didn't affect us to the same extent that it did other countries. So mm. that's that element of why we're catching up, because um, the America, the UK are very mature in this concept of um, gig workers, um, and Australia is catching up very rapidly. Um, mm. So what I sort of see is, you know, it, while it's taken um, the US 12 years to get to that 40% mark, um, mm. Australia's tipping up and it's already at 30%, and that's really only over sort of a two-year window. So I think we'll get to numbers that are equivalent to uh, the US or to Europe very quickly, and I would say within the next 12 to 18 months, our numbers will be the same. And that is mm. backed up by some data from um, mm. ASX, which is our stock exchange, where the top 300 companies um, have already slated to the market that they intend to grow their contingent pool of workers by more than 30%. So that number is sort of already um, written into their plans. 
Um, and in Australia, we're sort of right now seeing some of the headlines in the papers, such as, you know, organisations letting go 500 people or a 1,000 mm. here, etc., that maybe America would have seen 10 years ago. Um, so mm. Australia is playing catch-up, and I think it's more to do with that, just sort of how we all rode the, the global financial crisis and where our own economies were at that point. Mm. So, so in a way, we are protected, um, and, and sometimes... You know, I believe, and, and I know with the conversations with others through the organization, sometimes we, we feel we are behind. But when you actually hear stats like that, it's, it's quite actually good to see that uh, we are not as bad as we sometimes think we are, uh, Jacinta, isn't it? We, we sometimes think we are very, very behind, but often we catch up very fast um, and organizations yeah, do yeah, respond. I, I agree, Alma. I think we are playing a huge game of catch-up and and, and we will get there very quickly. And then because we have the benefit of seeing these models develop in other markets, what we can do as we are catching up is sort of almost sometimes leapfrog ahead. So I would would argue that some of the things we're doing here are very leading edge in terms of the systems um, that are enabling um, a more uh, mature approach to engaging contingent workers. Um, so there's definitely areas we're ahead and there's definitely areas that we look to other markets to sort of um, mm. to see what they've done and learn from them. So so you obviously talk a lot with the, with the companies and, and you're actually educating them about some of these trends. Um, how do they respond? Do they need to change their mindset? And, uh, you know, what, what's the sort of conversations that you have with the companies when it comes to... Uh, helping them basically with the contingency workers because they will this will require a whole change of their uh, the way they operate as organisation. Yes, I see. There's sort of there's sort of a couple of elements of when I'm talking to companies. Firstly, it's a mindset. So those old paradigms of sort of a command and control. Um, industrial era structure where, um, you know, if you needed someone, you employed them permanently, that has fundamentally changed. So the mindset um, is a big element where people, they've read about this as a concept, they know that sort of there's a rise in contingent workers, but until it actually means something to them and their company, then they don't have Mm. to action it and they don't have to change the way they do things. Um, Mm. So after mindset shift becomes process shift, um, because mm. you know, if we've, when, a, when a need happens in a company, the old way of doing things was you give it to HR, they write up a job description, mm. they go to market mm. and they find someone. Um, what they're seeing now is there's a need for a company to do something, but they're sort of questioning, you know, do we need someone permanently mm. or do we need mm. someone to just come in and solve the problem right now? So that's that process has got a, a, a point in which they have to think differently. So I'm seeing them change a mindset and then when reality hits, having to change some process around it. And then sort of a third element to that is the procurement because the mm. procurement of people that you own or that your permanent employees happens in HR. Often the procurement of your contingent worker happens in a sort of a, um, a supply chain procurement process because it's sort of, it's not um, labour you own, it's a, um, it's a supplier that you're getting a labour product from. So it's, it's mm. interesting to watch that whole flow through of the, the yes. system of organisations and what they have to do in order to think differently about how they get their work done. Mm. 
So, so that that's really really interesting um, because of this change. This means the whole recruitment and uh, and the HR professionals um, must adjust their appro- approach in attracting and managing uh, transient talent, isn't it? So, uh, what's the approach that the recruiters and HR people must adopt in their organisations? Yeah, there is an element that the whole game has changed um, and um, mm. both sides of the equation have to change how they think about this. So on the demand side, so if you look at that as the company side, then they definitely have to look at their processes and think differently. Um, and then if you look at the supply side or the, the candidates who are now choosing to work like this, there's a lot of people who um, this is absolutely plan A. This is their choice. Mm. So it's not always companies forcing people into a contingent mm. model, there's an overwhelming desire for people to think about work differently with balance and um, and maybe for different demographic reasons. If you look at the baby boomers, there's, mm. there's such a huge number of baby boomers who are at the stage of their life maybe where they don't have to work, they can choose yes. to work and that creates a fundamentally different mindset of, of how you engage in this supply and demand equation. Um, so what do the H, to answer your question, what do the HR people do? I think it comes back to that mindset process procurement are the three things mm. that they have to change. And if I look at the candidate pool of people, what they're having to change is um, the, the rules of how you get a job um, are fundamentally changing. So, you know, most of us sort of, you know, stayed with one organisation for many years and, and worked your way up through that, um, that organisation or you were tapped on the shoulder for a job. This contingent mm. marketplace is a lot more transactional and you have to know your product and your offering uh, and you have to then promote yourself very differently than sitting around in an organisation waiting to be promoted up to the next job. So both sides of that equation, mm. supply and demand, have to fundamentally, fundamentally rethink the game. And, and uh, it's really interesting because in one of these reports, uh, before I prepared for this particular episode, I've read somewhere that uh, when, when it comes to these contingency workers, organizations will hire more on a project base and um, it's going to become actually irrelevant how many years you spend in one organization, but it's more actually relevant what knowledge and skills you bring uh, for that particular project and whether you can actually help at that particular instance, isn't it? So, so that's the whole new... Yeah. I can't agree more. You know, um, I get called, a client will call me or a buyer of our services will call me when they need something done, an outcome. Mm. Um, and, yes. and then my job is to present, you know, uh, two, three people who can do that job. The client cares less if they, um, you know, over the course of their career they took time out or they, they didn't work full time. And so they actually just saying, have you done ABC, which is what we need mm. done, and, mm. you know, have you done it pretty recently? So what's your currency on what we need done? Um, so you, you're absolutely right. People are saying it's less around um, tenure. It's more around mm. an outcome and a delivery. The interesting thing for that is that then that almost takes gender off the table. So my clients, yes. um, mm. you know, it, it, again, if it's an outcome, they don't care if you're a man or a woman or, or what you've done or how you've got there, but could you do this for me now is what they're asking. Um, so that's, you know, that, that's an element that I love bringing to the table to say, um, you know, finally we might be shifting the dial a little bit on, on some of that gender bias. 
Mm. I think actually that's a, that's a really great great way of look at it. And uh, you you mentioned um, here in Australia, definitely we we've actually heard like you know manufacturing and particular banks and so on um, have less and less people. But given what's happening with the contingency workers, it's actually a good story relatively for some of these people that they actually can become some of these intern uh, a workforce, if that makes sense. And um, they can actually adjust themselves in a way with their mindset because they can actually use their skills somewhere else uh, in a short term or maybe even like six to 12 months project. So it's not actually... It's not all bad story if somebody has has basically lost their permanent job, isn't it? No, it's not. And we work with you know people who this is their choice. Um, yes. So without a doubt, as we as we shift the paradigm of more people moving into contingent, there's there's some people who will be there by choice, and there are some that won't be there by choice. Mm. Um, and but but our model is working with people who choose this, and when you choose this sort of work you're in a, a mm. fundamentally different mindset because you are, if you don't um, have to work 52 weeks of the year, but you yes. say, look, I'd be happy if I worked eight or nine months of the year, then what you choose to do aligns with your purpose and passion because you're saying, I'm not doing it just because I have to. Um, mm. I've got to the stage of my life where I'm making other decisions in my life that I choose mm. to do the things that really interest me. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree in that our pool of people, this is they wouldn't do it any other way. Um, mm. But there's, you know, we also need to address that that part of society and that part of the workforce that that will will be um, find themselves in a contingent labour market when they didn't choose mm. it. And and my yes. thought for that group of people is, um, you need to understand the new parameters. It's almost mm. like Uber, the Uberisation yes. of work. You wouldn't yes. have legislated for Uber up front because you would have said mm. everything that was wrong with it. But the market mm. force took us down that path. And then sometimes mm. we have to sort of retrofit rules around um, new market paradigms. Yes. Um, such as we've had to with Uber, we've had to go back and sort of, okay, well, let's put some rules around this. Yes, um, absolutely. To tax the industry. Mm. And I see, I see the way we work is very much like that. There's a market force... Um, absolutely shifting us in a direction which as a society mm. we've all bought into and we're all the architects of this change so there's no great yes. big baddie or they mm. that sort of forced mm. us there we've all been decision makers in this um, yes and, absolutely and, and now we're finding with ourselves in a new um, continuum and a new way of working and I think the key to people who find themselves there not by choice is understanding mm. the new rules of this game and then yes. you feel as though you've got a little bit more control over it um, mm. and, and can readjust your thinking about what work is, That's right. how you get it, mm. um, and what's your currency to work. So, you know, what is your thing? What do you do? Mm. Um, and the yes, what are skills more. and strengths? Mm. Mm. It shifts more back to the individual to say, this is, you know, I'm in charge of my own ongoing education. I'm in charge mm. of, you know, what I do. I'm in charge of my key expertise. Whereas mm. that ownership used to sit within a corporate where they trained you, you know, they yes. provide your L&D. And, and there's been that sort of um, absolute shift in that uh, ownership of, of your career. Mm. Jacinta, this is so interesting. We're going to continue that. Uh, we'll just take a short break. Um, please stay with us. We'll be back shortly. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call in to our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the global workplace. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, my guest today is Jacinta Whelan, and uh, she's a partner executive intern management um, at the Watermark here in Melbourne. And um, we've been actually talking about the contingency workforce and what that means for employees and what that means for the organizations. Jacinta, before the break, we talked about um, how a lot of changes are happening in the market. And you mentioned uh, we, we've seen in the news 500 people uh, lost the job in, in some banks and, and uh, other organizations are also doing the changes. So with these changes, obviously, candidates must adjust to new approach. And uh, there will be less and less permanent jobs and more contingency work. And and also with artificial technology and changes that millenniums perhaps can adjust to faster than baby, baby boomers, what advice would you give to the candidates how they can adjust to the, the future working requirements that are very different to anything that they've seen in the last 20 years? Yeah, there's, there's sort of almost different, uh, a couple of different pieces to that. So my business works with the mature cohort. So I work with sort of the executive level and, and so that's the millennials. And I find that um, they are the ones who probably can adjust quite well um, because they are at the stage of life where maybe some of those sort of big ticket items in life, such as, you know, your mortgage and your kids' school fees, etc., are sort of mostly under control. So they can think mm. a bit differently about life and, and have a little bit of luxury around saying it's okay for me not to work 52 weeks of the year. So that group, mm. I feel, um, it, will be, um, it will be new to them because they've never had to be here in their whole life and the way they've engaged with work has been different. But as they sort of are in the sort of 
towards the, the back end of their career, they are, are, are changing some of the models and can do that with a little bit of ease. Um, the millennials um, coming through, interestingly, Alma, they know no different. Um, so mm. I think they are coming in almost like we call them digital natives. I think they're coming yes. into a... Uh, an employment native environment where they all know that they're not going to have one job for life. So mm. you know, many people... And they don't want to have a job for life, do that's they? Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. So they've looked at that system and, and to be honest, look at it as a little bit old-fashioned or quaint to sort of say, what? You yes. you had one job for 30 years? Are you crazy? Mm. Um, so mm. you know, their mindset says, I'm going to have a couple of different balls in the air. Um, and let's take an example of, say, a graphic designer. They might um, have a couple of days with an ad agency. They might do some freelance work. Uh, they might have a little bit of their own business on Etsy or on, you know, Fiverr or something. Um, and, you know, then knowing that millennial group, they probably, you know, own a juice bar with their friends or own a beer brewing company or something. So they're yes. almost saying, I'm going to have, you know, five or six options. And at any one time, one of them will be up. Um, but mm. I know that, it, that, that that can sort of almost drop off or be down um, very quickly. Uh, so I think we're further along this in our own thinking and individual thinking than we give ourselves credit for. Um, and I, I, I truly believe that we will all adapt to this new system and this new way of working. Um, there'll be some elements that'll be, you know, not as pretty as, um, as mm. things change and tougher mm. for some people. But the overwhelming majority, this is, this is something that they're actually driving. Mm. And it's a push-pull. Mm. The companies are sort of pushing people to um, a contingent model because it suits their business um, objectives. Mm. But there's a huge pull where people are saying across the whole generational spectrum, we want to work differently as well. Yes, absolutely. It's it's more now about the lifestyle choices than 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 ever before. I, I think what you're talking about is also very interesting um, for people who are baby baby boomers, as you say, and uh, they they're probably near to to their retirement. And I think there is the opportunity for companies to work with uh, with organizations like yourselves to to actually uh, prepare them for their transition to retirement. It's almost like, um, you know, they, they can go in a part-time or they can choose a, a different transition to retirement. It doesn't have to be a full-time for the next couple of years until they retire. And perhaps that's the way for them to adjust, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, that baby boomer uh, cohort are such a large number of people. They almost yes. mm. have pushed through the system like a tsunami wherever they've been. Um, and yes. so this baby boomer co cohort who right now are in positions of authority. So if you're in a role, mm. you're probably somewhere near the top of the tree. Um, so yes. they are the ones with the most incentive to change the system for themselves and to suit themselves. Um, and as, as a company, I think more and more... Um, a huge amount of the brain's trust of society is now at a stage, let's say they're 50, 55, and mm. if they say, we don't want to work full-time, then companies, if they want access to that brain's trust and to that talent, they have to engage on the baby boomers' terms. And so, you know, mm. if you're looking at, um, you know, some of these numbers say 40 to 50% of the workforce doesn't want a permanent job, but the workforce actually, or the companies actually need them to get stuff done. Um, so mm. they're going to have to engage them on some sort of contingent arrangement that suits the baby boomer. 
Um, mm, so mm. Yeah, I, I think they've got huge amounts of power and never overestimate the power of self-interest. If the baby yes. boomer who's the current CEO um, sees that the, that the next role for he or she when they finish is to come back and do some you know, interim gigs or some part-time work, mm. then, it, mm. then it's in their interest as a CEO mm. to start bringing more people in like that and show that this model works. Um, so, mm. you know, the, the baby boomer cohort have huge vested interest in this model. I've actually seen the trend in a large organizations that I uh, uh, did the consulting with. They, they actually do the restructure and that level of people... Uh, are made redundant for for different reasons, but six months later they bring them on a consulting because of that IP. And uh, if they really want to make significant change fast, it makes sense to bring those people that already know organization. Um, and then actually th- th- there is no any induction, basically. They can just hit the ground running. And I think we're going to see that more and more. I agree that whole, you know, the cliches of hit the ground running, hit it out of the ballpark, um, you know, overhit the mark, that's essentially mm. why my clients ring me because they want someone who's been yes. there, done that mm. um, and mm. can just help them. Business moves so quickly these days that mm. um, you need solutions that are immediate. Um, otherwise, you, miss, you, know, you, sort of, you might miss the boat a bit. Um, mm. So that's mm. why more and more people are tapping into this pool of being there, proven, experienced, yes. wise head, um, been there, done that. Um, all of those mm. sort of, you know, as I said, those cliches are very relevant mm. in what companies mm. are seeing true value in. Um, Jacinta, I'm passionate as much as the contingency workforce that you're passionate about. I'm I'm passionate about the the skilled migrants that are coming in Australia and, for that matter, anywhere around the world, because we know that they bring uh, such a wealth of knowledge and the global experience. And yet, I don't believe that we tap into that knowledge as much as we should or could. Do you think there will be a change in that with this contingency workforce uh, strategy within the organisations? I do. I, I, I see this as a great way. Um, again, we, we spoke earlier about how it's very outcome-based and, and clients mm. care less around how or where you've got that experience. So I think that lends itself very well to people who have come from other countries um, and are sort of, you know, positioning themselves now in Australia because you might bring, for instance, the UK are very advanced in sort of local government and um, housing and um, uh, housing affordability and homelessness. So, And that's something that our government's grappling with. So some people who've worked in mm. that area overseas are very valued. Um, if you look mm. at the engineering infrastructure space, people who have that background and have done large-scale projects around the world, whether it be in the Middle East or, you know, in mm. Europe uh, or in the States, um, you know, engineers, etc., they can, they can definitely come in. You know, if you look at some of the HR professionals who have experience in managing contingent workforces, you know, in a more sort of mature marketplace, that's mm. now what we're grappling with. So I do see yes. that, that sort of, you know, um, that immigrant population will really benefit from this rise in the contingent workforce. Mm. Um, you, you, we, we're talking about the gig economy and um, the, the, the one of the drivers is really accelerating the rise of technology uh, and also customers now expect um, you know, the goods and services to arrive faster and, and much more flexibly than ever before. So um, 
in, in effort to meet these demands, uh, business and governments, as you're saying, need access to highly skilled professionals for short-term projects to drive really innovation and the rapid change because technology obviously bring uh, a rapid and fast change. And so according to global research, skilled executives from US and, and, and Europe, as you're saying, will be ahead of the curve on this so potentially uh, more adaptable than Australian workforce. So what can Australian workplace do to catch up with that? Yeah, I would say the Australian workforce is agile. I would say, you know, in, in t- we're, a, we're a, uh, a market size that is doable for a lot of countries. So we're, the, we're often the test market for a whole lot of new initiatives for big global mm. organisations. So in terms of sort of where we are in the contingent workforce, we had to catch up. Um, but I would sort of counter that and say Australia absolutely has the ability to do it. Um, I would say that we've got some quite advanced technologies because we've, we've, we've learnt from others and in, instead of having to do that learning ourselves, we've absorbed it and we can almost now sort of leapfrog some of that thinking mm. um, and bring, mm. you know, your, your digital and your technology pieces. Um, they are affecting every part of every organisation as we know and... Um, and, and, and same with the sort of contingent workforce. They're very um, vital to not only the, the actual matching piece of how it works, but most of the projects we're being asked to do have some sort of digital lens on them. So you've got um, mm. a really skilled group of people who have the ability to sort of catch up really quickly. And I would, you know, I'd say watch this space. I say Australia can, mm. uh, we usually punch above our weight in a lot of things. Mm. Um, and mm. I would suggest that this contingent workforce, now we're there, I would say we'll, we'll sort of, you know, zoom ahead with it. It's interesting uh, when you mentioned that a lot of organizations uh, are aware of this is coming, but they're not doing anything yet because they simply don't have to. Um, the, the first thought that, that comes into my mind is, is this about education? Because by the time they have to, there will be a rush through to change their policies and everything else. So it's almost like they should, everyone should get prepared for this in terms of their, what's their new strategy, how, ma- how many people they need, what's the workforce planning. So they are actually uh, becoming agile rather than say we don't need to do anything. Is, is, is that, is that thing something like about education and, and working with them to actually make sure they understand how they can yeah, become I, agile. Yes, and I would say a big part of when you um, create a new marketplace, which in Australia is what the sort of contingent workforce is um, it, at the executive level, um, then what you need to do for the first couple of years is educate people. Um, and then you have mm. your early adopters of any sort of new model. Um, and then very quickly that tips over to, into a wide acceptance. So I would say we're just at that tipping point in Australia of educating the market. They know about it theoretically, but until mm. in any business, until you have to do it, very few, we all know we should do things, but until there's mm. some sort of either crisis or um, business need um, or business imperative to do it, we just don't. Um, and, you know, you've mm. got to sort of, it's almost got to boil to the top of the to-do list for an yes. organisation. And it is now mm. absolutely bubbling at number one or two. Um, without mm. a doubt, I would say mm. it's competing with you know, the digitalisation of their operating models um, is number one that I hear from my clients. And number two is how on earth do I have the people or the skills to do this? And more and more they're saying mm. we need that in the contingent. So I think you're right, we're such at this 
um, the shifting point right now that I think mm. only hindsight will give us true perspective on, oh, that was when it all happened and we're right in the middle of it. So it's quite hard to see it with perspective. Yes, and I and I think uh, recruitment uh, people like yourself, I mean, recruitment agencies will also have to really have the big mindset shift to to educate uh, our clients and the companies because I hear often from people like you um, when there are demands from the client, they they know what they want, but that that might not be what they actually need. And so yeah. there, there is that education piece uh, from recruitment agencies and search companies uh, like yourselves to actually uh, be much stronger in educating clients and actually uh, working with them is what they really need rather than what they want because they might not know what they want really. Yeah, and the key word you used there was working with them. So it has to be a partnership. It's not our yes. job to tell them their business objective. Um, and that's where you'd get a huge amount of pushback. But what we mm. can tell them and where our expertise comes in is you decide what you need done and we will give you some of the, the skills or the tools or the people to get that done. And, and mm. some of those skills and tools and how you engage them is the bit that you need to think a bit differently about. So that's that true partnership needs to come in to say, um, if, you know, in, in the future, if half of your workforce is going to be contingent and going to come in and out, you need to build a strong mm. partnership with someone who has access to that talent pool because it's a very different time frame. You need it turned around a lot quicker than mm. traditional executive search. Um, you need these sort of pretty much on tap or on demand. Um, so mm. I think it'll be vital that you have strong relationships with providers of that or brokers of that talent. Mm. Is it from your experience many large companies are more waking up to the need uh, for the contingency working uh, workers or it's somewhere like a medium to large companies? The, the interesting thing is that it's all. There's, you know, you okay. can be a two-man band and you know that you need to think differently about how you engage. And it's, you know, it's potentially mm. even more important if you're a two-man band because the next person you bring on, you might need a full-time, you might need a 0.5. Um, mm. Big companies are, are so um, focused on making a very lean machine um, of their mm. business as usual. So they have huge incentive to move people into the contingent workforce. And in your SME or your family size business, they've probably always worked like this but haven't really thought about yes. it. Yes. You know, they've always yes. sort of been a bit flexible about bringing some people on for shorter assignments, etc., because it's their own money and they're very passionate about mm. it. Um, so it, there is no, you know, it's not for big, it's not for small, it's absolutely for everyone. For um, everyone. Uh, yes. All right. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Jacinta, and thanks for listeners to listening the uh, Global Workplace. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about this interesting topic. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Immigrants of Australia is a unique organization helping skilled immigrants, in particular women, to establish careers and integrate in a new country. For individuals, we offer coaching and mentoring programs. For organizations, we help create diverse and engaging culture, offer talent placement, career transitions, diversity strategy, and inclusive leadership development. We are also available for speaking and consulting engagements. Visit Wimmigrants.com.au for more information. That's Wimmigrants.com.au. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Global Workplace with Alma Besserton. To reach the show, please call into our toll-free lines in North America, 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to alma at wimmigrants.com.au. Now, back to the Global Workplace. Welcome back, everyone. This is Alma Bestedin on the Global uh, Workplace um, radio show. Today, I'm talking to Jacinta Whelan on a, such an interesting topic, which is the rise of contingency workforce and what this does to the marketplace and what this means for the companies as well as candidates. Um, Jacinta, before the break, you touched based on that uh, intern work is is very good um, opportunity perhaps for women. We know um, globally that women in a, um, a high-level positions or the chair positions is still actually declining and is not uh, satisfactory as, as we would like to be. So you touched base and said that perhaps this contingency work is a good opportunity to get uh, more women in these positions. C- can you please articulate on that a little bit more? Yeah, the the whole sort of purpose of contingent workforce is very outcome focused. So when a client rings me up, they want something done, and and they care less around uh, how you got the experience that we need. It's just that we need it, and we need it pretty quickly, mm. and we need it mm. for a period to move our business to the direction that we've decided it needs to go. So what I find um, fascinating in this is that. Um, it almost takes the gender lens off the table. So clients just want me to present a short list of three or four people who've done this. Um, and then our statistics would show that, you know, it, it goes down the line of 50-50 of who gets the role, but it, it mm. comes down to who's the most experienced and who's the best fit for that organisation. And in terms of a chance for some organisations where, you know, traditionally they, they may not have had a woman in a position, um, this might be a chance for a short, sharp um, moment uh, for their company to choose a woman into that position because mm. they can prove that they've done the role and, and does it not just sort of in a, a quick little hit change some perceptions as well. 
So, you know, without having to commit to a full-time job and, um, or, you know, to a full-time role for this person, you can start to sort of move some of the metrics in some shorter-term mm. delivery where there's um, a chance of success and these people are set up for success. So I do find it fascinating that, um, mm. you know, you almost go through your whole career where gen- you start your career where gender's not on the table, supposedly, mm. and, you know, all the different statistics that are out there to suggest that um, it is on the table as we all work through our career. And then mm. finally, when you get to that sort of, that top end of your career, it's back off the table. Mm. Um, That's and, interesting. You know, that, yeah, that I, that, I, that I find great. Yeah, it's it's absolutely interesting, and also women uh, at that age, like like myself, I'm a baby a baby boomer. Um, you know, we do want to have that flexibility, and we want to have that life balance. So I'm I'm really pleased to 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 hear that. Uh, talking about the baby boomers and people who have been in the jobs and organizations for a reasonable long time. Uh, they may feel fear of losing jobs due to changes on the market, and I certainly, through my uh, uh, work in consulting with organizations on 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 change and organizational change, I've seen that. Um, what advice can you give them if they do lose yeah. the jobs through the, the the restructures? Yes, the advice I would give people is that the the rules of the game have changed. So a lot of people come to me and say, you know, I've never had to apply for a job. I've just been tapped on the shoulder. Mm. And I say, isn't that nice? But that's of a different era. Um, The Mm. rules now are that you have to own what it is you do. You have to have a very strong narrative. Um, Mm. You have to think that, you know, there's no one with as much interest for an individual getting a job as that individual. And, Mm. you know, for a lot of people, they may never work back in a traditional job as they've known. It doesn't mean they won't work. But mm. the engagement that they have with that company might be forever different. So you'll still mm. go in and do work um, of what your skill is. Um, mm. But the company might say, we don't want to have you on an ongoing contract. Could we have you on a two-year contract? Yes. Um, and so that's a, a mindset shift for that person because it's, the work's the same and the work's is fulfilling mm. and it's using your skills, mm. but it's just a different way to engage. So I think the advice I could give the, the people who find themselves out of the market and now sort of sitting in the contingent bucket rather than the permanent mm. bucket mm. is understand the new paradigm because then you'll feel empowered to say, okay, if I know the rules, then I'm, you know, I've got a better chance of playing this game. Um, if, I, if we bring it back to the previous question of women, I'd love to tie that in and sort of say women are probably more used to over the course of their career having to have different ways of working. They've had to have maybe yes. some time out or some flexibility mm. for a whole host of reasons that are you know, mm. well documented. Um, and and uh, so they are probably better placed in one mm. sense for this new world of a contingent workforce where it's not a mm. linear line. Um, but what you have is this huge baby boomer cohort of, of men who've only ever known one way and it's their yes. um, mindset that needs to shift and that's what I would tell them. Do some work with sort of what's your currency, what is it that I do mm. Um, mm. and own that um, and then think I'm going to be engaging in this quite differently than I ever have and that's okay mm. um, but it is different and, and not trying to then sort of say I wish it was what it used to be or back in the old days because they aren't here anymore so we have to move on. It's it's um, what also I believe needs to shift is the whole outplacement uh, approach 
because I believe the the lot of organizations still have the placement approach where is the traditional here is the resume will identify your skills and so on. But I believe that the outplacement approach in the organizations we are losing uh, uh, people like um, recently in, in some of the banks in Australia, it's, it's about actually working with their mindset and empowering them and saying it's not the end of the world that you, um, you know, uh, lost this, this permanent job. But the mindset needs to shift more into this contingency work and actually work with them to understand what their strengths are, that they feel empowered uh, coming to organization like yours and uh, and and work as a contingency workers. So I, I think the whole approach on a market for the outplacements probably needs uh, a really different approach, working on a mindset rather than just the resumes and um, trying to find them jobs somewhere else. I can't agree more. I have a view that um, outplacement is almost the end of a process and it's a very tail end yes. of a process. So you've already been let go mm. from your company and the last thing they're obligated mm. to do to you is to give you outplacement. But they've sort of mm. passed that responsibility across to someone else. I think mm. very quickly that will be disrupted because it should be. Mm. It, it should never happen to an individual that they find themselves um, out of a job and not seen it coming or not think that this is how the world works. Yes. So what you mm. almost need is someone further down that almost your supply chain to say, let mm. me have someone who's a coach to me the whole way through so that I'm yes. constantly thinking, if something happened here, where would I go next? And you're sort of constantly on top of your skills to sort of get mm. to the end of the line and then say, gosh, I haven't done a resume for 20 years or got to a, a stage where you know, I didn't see that happening. There, there, of course, there's some occasions where there's mergers where people mm. genuinely didn't see the companies happening, but our mindset should have been... Um, it's my responsibility to always stay on top of this and know what the market's doing. Yes. So I think the concept of outplacement needs to come a lot further down anyone's supply chain and say, I almost need a coach sitting alongside me the whole way um, yes. so that it never gets that I get, you know, find myself out in the contingent world and, and think, oh my goodness, how did I get here? Mm, mm. I, I completely agree with that. Um, you you work with the organizations basically um, to to create that intern employment model. So if anyone would like to engage with you, what's the best way uh, to engage to actually help organizations to to create this interim employment uh, structure model? Yeah, the, the the best way is obviously to to approach us. But what I would suggest that people have done in their pre-thinking for it is to think: is this right? Because, mm. you know, if we're saying 50% of people are contingent and 50% of people are in traditional permanent roles, for many people that traditional permanent role suits them and their lifestyle and their life stage. Um, and I would yes. encourage people that if that's what they're doing, then work really hard to be one of those 50%. Because mm. um, when people are over with me, I want this to be their plan A. There shouldn't be a plan B that says, well, I can't find a permanent job, so I'll just do this and, and yes. fill in until I can get back into the permanent model. Mm. So it, mm. to do this, you actually have to then say, this is how I choose to work. Um, and, and if that's the case, then it's, it's actually in my interest to know what's my product offering. You know, you, you have to almost mm. see yourself as your own, you know, incorporated company. You know, what's my brand? Yes. What's my product offering? What, should, what would people call me for? What do I actually do? Mm. And what I what's find... What's the value proposition, people, isn't it? Yeah, mm. Exactly. And a lot of people come mm. to me, you know, once you've been very senior, you say, I'm a good general manager, I'm good at leading a team. And my sort of, my thought would be, no one ever rings me to say they want just a good general manager. 
They actually yes. need a transactional outcome. So what's your DNA? What do you do? Um, what's mm. the theme that comes right through mm. your career? What's the narrative mm. around why you? Because again, mm. you know, if, if you've got to get onto a short list of three or four people, it has to yes. be something that's a match. And then there's also this element that what clients are buying from this group is been there, done that. So what have you mm. been there and done that you've absolutely delivered? Not something you think you could do or something you'd mm. like to do. So, you know, if mm. I have someone who's a financial controller come to me and say, I'd really like to be a CFO and this mm. might be the way to get there, I would push back and say, no, my clients want someone who's already been a CFO, absolutely yes. hits it out of the park. Um, track record. They want that they, mm. Yeah, that track record. They're buying immediacy. Uh, they're buying credibility. Mm. They're buying proof of, proof of product. Um, and so individuals have to think, what is my product? Um, so mm. that pre-thinking around that, and that, that actually requires you to think differently than going for a permanent job where they are buying your more general management skills. Um, yes. So it, it's just a different, it's nuanced, but it's a very different way of thinking um, and repackaging. Mm. It's still the same. Everything you've done is still there and you're honouring everything you've done. But you're now saying, yes. well, if I only had to pick the things that I'm passionate about and you know, follow my purpose, out of all of my mm. career, what would they be? And, and interestingly, does the market already think I do them? So I would yes. to say to people, ask your network, what would you pick up mm. the phone and, and get me to come and do for you in your company? And that's really telling because yeah, that might be quite different than what you personally think. Um, so someone might say to you, Alma, can you come in and um, reorganise our um, org structure? And you say, mm. oh, I thought I did M&A, you know. Uh, so yeah, you know, yeah. it might be a wake-up call for the individual to say, is that what you see me do? And if that's what the yes. um, market perceives you as doing, mm. there's, you have to honour some of that and go, oh, that's interesting. That's what they think I'm good at. Mm. That, that is, uh, that is uh, uh, amazing. I could talk to you, Jacinta, for hours, and uh, we are nearly towards the end of our show Um I really would like to thank you for such an insightful discussion and uh, I encourage everyone to uh, look more into what you do uh, through your um, executive inter-management in the watermark because I know you're very active out there and you're very passionate about this. So thank you so much for being my guest today. I hope our listeners found really useful uh, as uh, owners of the organizations and the managers but also individuals who are uh, perhaps finding themselves um, in the middle of all of these changes. Thank you so much, Jacinta. A pleasure. Um, my guest next week is Dr. Barbara Young, who is going to help us to understand how can you transform your mindset for success. And uh, given our discussion today with Jacinta, my quote today is uh, from Albert Einstein, which is one of my favorite quotes, which is, Strive not to be a success, but rather to be of a value. This is Alma Besedin, your host at The Global Workplace. Until we meet again, have a fabulous week ahead and stay healthy, happy and safe. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Please join Alma Besserdin for another edition of The Global Workplace next Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week.